0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guest this week is an award-winning singer-songwriter and multicultural activist whose work has been featured in Billboard, Pop Matters, Ear Milk, and Democracy Now! Her latest album will be coming out later this year, and the first two singles, Fight Like a Girl and The It Girl, are available now on major music platforms and on her website, www.rayzaragoza.com. We are happy to welcome our guest, Ray Zaragoza, onto the Break the Business podcast. Hi, Ray.
1: Hey, Ryan. How you doing? Everyone? I'm doing
0: so great. During the pre-interview, I found out that like there's a whole lot of things to like about you in terms of like how similar... Our backgrounds are—we both lived in New York for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a time where, like, you were living maybe just a few blocks away from where I was living. So this is, uh, and uh, you know, and now you're based in LA, and I I work with clients in LA. So there's a lot to like about this, and there's a lot to like about just the way you approach music. And I want to tell the listeners a bit about you here um, in terms of your focus on protest music, and your timing is impeccable because I really want to talk to you about what it means to make protest music right now in the way Mm -hmm. the current world is you've you've written music supporting the standing rock Sioux during the construction of the dakota access pipeline and the work on your upcoming album is heavily focused on promoting equality and justice and compassion for all and so Mm -hmm. i'm wondering considering where the world is right now amid worldwide protests and people rising up all around the world in support of racial justice Mm -hmm. do you find that society might be catching up right now to many of the values that you sing about in your music
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's interesting because, you know, I've been labeled a protest songwriter, or like social justice songwriter, since I released my first album, Fight For You, in 2017. And I always kind of chuckled when people would say I make protest songs, because a lot of it, it's like, you know, I'm just kind of talking about my life. You know, I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of like telling the stories. I'm, I never really sit down and, and I'm like, hey, let's like write a protest song. How today. can I
0: agitate today?
1: Yeah. Like, what can kind of, like, I, I'm not going to go on Google and be like, what's going on today? Let's go, let's go <laughs> to like, let's go to the news. You know, it really is about just writing about my family, my upbringing, what's going on outside my window. You know, it's not anything that I'm deciding to like do, it's really just what's absolutely in front of me and kind of the experience of being a woman of color in the United States of America. And, um, so, you know, whenever people are like, oh yeah, the times are really are are changing, like times are changing. And I'm like, no, like times haven't changed. Um, we're just, uh, many people who did not have to deal with it on a daily basis are now seeing it firsthand, you know, and this is, and that's a gift, you know, that's great. And people are waking up, people are, acknowledging the injustice that's happened for hundreds of thousands of years you know yeah. on this land and so uh i'm i'm grateful that my music resonates with the place a lot of people are in right now and and the processing that a lot of people are doing right now and um it's uh it's interesting because it, it's like there's songs that i wrote in 2017 um that i almost like wish weren't timeless i wish that like we weren't still dealing with those things now, you know, three years later. I wish that we, we, I wish that equality and that, you know, racial justice was something that wasn't always, always on my mind, something that I'm always writing about. So when
0: when you approach this kind of music, you it's never been something that you necessarily felt like you were purposeful about, like, I'm going to be a protest singer it was just, but no. you know, this is the this is the sort of music that came to you because you can't ignore what's happening in the yeah. world around you, and that's the sort of stuff that influences you. And so, it's not as much you being purposeful to find things to protest about. All you're doing is writing about your experience and the world yeah. around you, and and that's you know, so that's the kind of music you're going to create.
1: Totally, yeah. You know, when I, when I first wrote like my first protest song, which was in the river for Standing Rock, I mean, it was really. I wrote that song with full intention of never sharing it. You know, I was, I felt, it felt deeply personal. It felt very, it just, it felt very emotional. It felt, it it felt very personal. You know, that's what it felt like. It didn't really feel like it was meant. I wrote it to heal myself. And I realized that when I write songs from the intention of healing myself and healing my own racial trauma, healing my own insecurities or healing my own anxiety about the world around me, that's when I write the best protest songs because they also can contribute to healing others and healing people who are listening to them. And so that's kind of how I started. That's how I always approach writing a protest song or writing a song with a social justice message is it has to come from a place of, of, of a place of a deeply personal feeling. It can't come from like a place of observation to me, that's that's a good protest song. Is something that is experienced rather than commented on.
0: If you don't mind, I'd love to have you look back. I'd like to try something with you here, real quick, because mm-hmm. you know that song came out during you know you 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 wrote it amidst the Dakota Access Pipeline construction and the resulting protests and everything that happened. And I'd love for you, if you could, to sort of look back and and reflect on what it was like to release a song during that moment what role did the song play in that moment uh what what uh impact you think it made what sort of feedback you got from others can you sort of take us to that time and and sort of what it was like to create a song during all that
1: yeah absolutely you know when i released that song i was in a very different place um with my career you know I didn't really have a following at all um maybe I had a couple of fans here and there and it was really just friends and family who were supporting my music I was 23 years old at the time 23 yeah 23 and um I watched these videos about of these do- the dogs being released onto water protectors up at Standing Rock and I had a lot of friends who were there at Standing Rock at the time I hadn't gone up yet And the videos broke my heart. I just started crying. I felt like I was just, I felt very helpless. Like there was something I could do. I was like, what can I do? What can I do to help? What can I do? And so I just like was in this very dark place and I started writing a very angry song. And then I kind of broke through the anger and then I wrote In the River. And I was like, I think this song is good. I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I was like, oh, I have an idea. You know, after I kind of decided, you know maybe I will share this song. I was like, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll go to my friend's house I'll record it and then me and my little brother, who was like 18 at the time, 19, will just like make a video on iMovie of me playing the song and of facts about what's happening at Standing Rock and um, have a call to action at the end of this video, telling people to donate or to take action and sign this petition or or, or do a couple of different things. And um, we did that. I, I wrote the song on like a Thursday, recorded the song on a Friday, Saturday, my brother and I um, made the video, and then Sunday night, maybe Monday, I think it was Sunday night. I just uploaded the song onto Facebook. Um, (laughs) You know, people were like, "Who made the video for you?" I'm like, "Me and my brother," and also we we had like a typo in the video. Like, it was a (laughs) very, it was it was a very very. uh, I mean, the video cost me maybe like twenty five dollars to make. It was just like I bought my brother lunch, and we just I uploaded it on like a Sunday night. I fell asleep with my phone by my pillow and I woke up to like hundreds of thousands of views and it had been shared over 10,000 times overnight. So and, this was um, all
0: completely organic in terms completely of organically. The, you just woke up and um, went like, Oh my God, this is everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. I woke up and I was terrified. I was like, Oh no, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this kind of attention. I'm scared. Um, and then I was getting messages from all over the world, people telling me they had no idea about what was happening at Standing Rock with the Dakota Access Pipeline until they saw my video. I saw people sharing um, co- like screenshots of the video with my name on it and making it their cover photo on their Facebook page. Um, people were sending me hate mail and people were sending me so much love, you know, like all, all across the board. Um, but the, the biggest ones were just people saying like, I had no idea what was going on until I saw your video and I saw, and I read the facts on your video. And that was like, wow, um, maybe a 23 year old and like her 19 year old brother with a cell phone camera and iMovie can actually have some kind of social justice um, say, or input, or um, change, make some change. And wow, Facebook is powerful. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, also Facebook, the algorithms on Facebook five years ago, four years ago, you know, whenever this was, I'm like in 2016. Um, were not as crazy as they are now. It was a lot easier to get an organic attention, especially with something that was quote unquote political. Um, So that happened. Um, I was invited to perform the song all over the country. People were flying me out different places. Um, I did lots of, you know, it was the song ended up on like Pace Magazine's top 10 protest songs by women of color or by people of color. The song just kind of caught organic fire. I hadn't even released the song. It was just a song on Facebook. Wow. And then I ended up releasing it. My friend made like a a cover for the song on her iPhone. Like everything was very, you know, and I was donating a hundred percent of all downloads to Standing Rock and a hundred percent. I just made these t-shirts. I just had, I literally went on like, ooh, ooh, shirts.com. I like something just like, I I didn't even know I was so clueless how to make t-shirts. And I just like, found a website, made some t-shirts that had the lyric on it and just uploaded it online, sold the t-shirts, donated hundred percent of the t-shirts to Standing Rock efforts. And just was like, you know what, I'm going to use this attention and just try to raise some awareness and money as much as I possibly can for this movement. Because I wanted, I I asked creator universe for a way to help. And I think I was given this way to help. And so I'm going to do everything I possibly can with it. And then basically from there, people were, um, I I ended up traveling to Standing Rock. I played the song um, at at camp and I was on the ground for a little bit. And um, one of the biggest, most life-changing stories that I heard for me was when this uh, girl who was working at the medical tent for months at Standing Rock, who was really putting in the work on the ground, she told me that they would listen to my song every day before they went to the front line so that to keep them peaceful because my song brought them to a place of peace and so and I was just like oh my goodness I had no idea that that song did that for people and um and so from there I kind of just I think um I whether it was conscious or subconsciously I realized the power of protest music and I kind of never looked back I was like this was a very truthful moment for me. And I'm just going to keep following that feeling. I'm going to keep following that, um, that kind of itch within me in terms of my songwriting and just keep, keep moving with that because it is powerful.
0: That is, (laughs) that is so incredible and so inspiring. And that last piece that you said, where you're talking about these protesters would listen to your song every day and it would inspire them. Like at that point, no matter what happens in your music career going forward, How can you not already say that you've been successful in your art? Oh, that's really silly to say, right? That's that's incredible. Just an amazing story. And so now here's my problem, Ray. I'm going to tell you what what my situation is right now is there is no easy or sensible or logical way for me to transition to that incredible story to (laughs) talking about the great things you're doing on the business side of your music career. But that's what we have to do. Yes. Like, no, I love so, the business side. <laughs> like, but, but, but you put me in a terrible bind here, Ray. But well, look. I'll let let me let me say this. Okay, there there, the two kinds of musicians I love the most are the ones that use their art as a force for good and for positive social change to affect social change, and the ones who have done really cool things on the indie business side of their career and you embody both of those and <laughs> and both of them deserve to be talked about so i, yeah. I here comes the awkward transition all right i want to talk about it. um this other side of of what i think is really impressive about you because in addition mm-hmm. to your incredible activism in music, which we all agree is great. And we're just going to put it over here for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also doing some really cool things on the business side that I think would be of interest to our indie artist listeners. Your upcoming album is being released on Rebel River Records, which is a label that you built, drum roll please, on Patreon with the help mm-hmm. of your patrons. So cool. I, I have to hear about this. Can you tell the listeners about uh, how you set this up?
1: Totally. Um, you know, it's funny cause I always said growing up, I think that I was an entrepreneur before I was an artist. Um, and art like creativity, artistry is a huge part of my life. It always has been, but like my first, one of my first memories is like making a lemonade stand when I was younger. It was like, I was, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to be my own boss. And that's what really attracted me to being a singer songwriter is, I mean, I don't have a band. <laughs> I don't, have, I don't have, um, it's not I am my own boss and I don't really have that much around me other than like my team and so I really like that feeling and so I love indie being an indie artist and a DIY artist because I I am we are our own bosses and we have full control and that's really exciting and so basically what happened was you know I made this record uh, back a year ago a year ago now it's crazy it's been so long with Tucker Martin, who is basically the the dream producer I ever wanted to work with. He's produced for first aid kit and the Decemberists, and you name it. And, um, we were shopping the record off to some ma- like not, I wouldn't say major labels, some like big indie labels, you know, and just nothing was exciting. Um, whether they were lukewarm about the record or we were lukewarm about the offers, it was just nothing really lined up for me. And I had this daydream. I was just like, I told my managers before we even were shopping the record. And I said, what if I just start my own label and I have it on Patreon? Like, what if I just did that? What if I just leveraged my Patreon and made it a label and just called it something really cool and had all my patrons be like a very, an even more intimate part of the release of this record? Yeah, you actually called your patrons
0: record executives. Like, they're your record that, executives.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what if they are the team? Like, what... And I'm like, I'm not just saying I'm, and I told them, I was like, I don't just mean, um, you know, this is not just like a fun club thing. It's like, no, like I take polls. I sent all my patrons before the record went, before we recorded the record, I did a poll of 25 songs I wrote for this record. And I had my patrons basically vote on their favorites. Wow. And I told them, I was like, you know, Your votes mean a lot. I still had to take into account the votes of like my management and other people too. But I really wanted to create an environment where I could incorporate my most dedicated fans in even decision-making processes and really treat them like label executives. And I was like, you know what? If I was a fan of someone, this would excite me like crazy. This would be so fun. And so I just ran with it. I committed to it and I was like, you know, I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to, this is going to be, I'm going to build this as much as it can possibly be built. And. You know, I'm going to incorporate my patrons in the creation of this record and the release of it. They're going to get to hear everything first. They hear all the singles before they come out. They um, get exclusive, you know, content, merchandise, all the kind of stuff that's usual with Patreon and um they are the record label and they get to scroll down on Spotify and see who released this record, who released the song. And it has rebel river records there, which they know is them. Like you, that each person, each patron is like stamped on my releases. They are there. They are seen. They are a part of it. That is their hand. And every piece of their, you know, every dollar they give me every month, is going directly towards promoting the record. There's no middleman. It's just me and them. It's literally just me and them. And that is so satisfying as an artist to know that, like, the music is being created for the people by the people, yeah. literally. And um, it's just rad. It's awesome. And I get all kind. – I'll, like, ask my patrons, you know, for all kinds of advice. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm, like, conflicted about this thing or – which one of these do you like better? Which album art do you like better? Which album name do you like better? Um, here's behind the scenes of this music video. What do you think of this? And it's honestly great.
0: <laughs> it it so, is. It is so yeah. cool. I, I, I like listeners. I encourage you check out uh, Ray's Patreon page at patreon.com/slash Ray Zaragoza. You will. But just because like the way everything is structured, as Ray was saying, uh, these the people that are patrons to her uh, label, they're not silent partners in all of this. She's built the reward structure in such a way that all the people who contribute, they are taking an active role in helping her develop as an artist. They're, they get to propose creative ideas and business ideas to her, which, as Ray noted, if you are a fan of an artist, what better gift than to feel like you get to play a direct role in that artist's success. I mean, there's, there's so much to love about how you've set this up, not just from the side of being an independent musician who answers to no one, including, you know, some label head that's telling you how to run your career and taking all your money, which of course is what we, you know, that's the, that's the sort of independent spirit that we encourage every week on this show, but just also that you've also embraced this idea of letting your fans be part of your process. So they feel like they are, you know, they have a a real contribution that they're making other than just giving you money. And that's mm-hmm. so, so cool, so smart. Just, oh, I love it. And I encourage you listeners, check it out, patreon.com slash Ray Zaragoza, and you can find out more about what she's doing on the business side. And I also want you listeners to find out what she's doing now on the creative side. Uh, we have a, a song that we're about to play here on the show off of her upcoming album. The song is called The It Girl. And uh, Ray, before we play, can you tell us a little bit about this song?
1: totally. So the it girl, this is one of my favorite songs from the record. It's also one of the more personal songs. You know, I have written a lot of, like we said, protest music. And I really wanted in this record to write both songs that commented on the outside world and what's happening, but also really reflect and go inward and see how the injustice around me is being reflected inside of me. And so this song is really about growing up, uh, really insecure about being Brown and, feeling like I could never be this like pretty beautiful Barbie princess that I wanted to be as a five-year-old because I have brown skin and because my dad is Native American and Mexican and my mom is Japanese I just always felt like I was always going to come up short for anything um, in the realm of being some kind of quote-unquote it girl because of my diverse background and uh, the song was kind of about coming to terms with that and being like screw that that's dumb and We should all be who we are and embrace it and love it. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) It is a really powerful message. And I've already heard the song a bunch of times, so I can testify that it's a great song. And I'm so excited (laughs) to play it all for you right now. Here is The It Girl by Ray Zaragoza here on the Break the Business podcast.
2: I could tell I was living in a world that wasn't made for brown skin girls. Just you wait, it'll be your turn, and in the mirror I would say to her, You give them everything everything you got
0: it is listeners that is the it girl by our guest ray zaragoza here on the break the business podcast ray thank you so much for letting us play that song that was terrific
1: yay thanks for playing it
0: i i'm always afraid to ask an artist this when they have an upcoming album because i know it can be a moving target but do we have can we get any sort of rough estimate about when the album's coming out
1: definitely fall fall 2020 um it's so difficult right now with the world and
2: how
1: uh, with COVID and how things are changing every day. So we don't have an exact date, but it'll be out this fall. Um, And yeah, so we'll have another single out pretty soon too. And I'm excited. I'm really excited um, about this record. Like I said, the producer is someone I've wanted to work with my whole life. Um, And, and these songs mean a lot to me. So I'm excited for y'all to hear it.
0: Well, I encourage you all listeners to, Keep tabs on our guest here and find out when that album comes out, because you're going to want to definitely listen to the whole thing, as I will. Uh, You can check her out at RayZaragoza.com. That is R-A-Y-E-Z-A-R-A-G-O-Z-A.com. Or just read the podcast uh, show description, uh, because that's what it's there for. All right. um, Before we let you go, and this has been a wildly enjoyable conversation for me, and I know you're going to close it out strong with the last question's answer here. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward?
1: Yes. And I I, I feel like I could say so many things, but one I'm going to say is to lean into your strengths. And, um, you know, for me, my strength, one of my strengths is community building. I know I'm a really good community builder and it's something that I love and something that I didn't know was actually directly related to my music. So but it has been through this record label uh, creation. And I'm realizing that a lot of the things that I share on my Patreon or with my record label are not even directly related to my music, but they love it because it's about about building community. And I share poetry. Uh, every month I'll share a poem from like one of my patrons and I'll share, um, I'll take polls that, have nothing to do with music and all these things. And so I think that as artists and as DIY artists and as indie artists, to remember to use every bit of yourself in your artistry, not just the things that you think directly relate to it um, and lean into your strengths and lean into the things that are special. Um, And rather than focusing on the things that maybe you're not, um, that are harder for you because as a DIY indie artist, we think we have to do everything. But rather than focusing on the things that you think are your weaknesses, just like lean into your strengths and really focus on those and really bring those to light and let those empower you and um, incorporate all your skills into your artistry, even the things that aren't, don't feel like they're directly related to what you do. And yeah.
0: Oh man, that is such good advice. You basically just recited about two chapters of my book. I actually. There's, there's a whole section of my book where I, and this is actually an exercise I've done with artists before when they first come to me and they're talking about sort of how to go about their career is I'll have them take, you know, write a list of all the things that they're good at and yeah, not just, yeah. yeah And not just like, I'm a good singer. I'm good at writing songs. Like, no, are you good at cooking? Are you yeah. a good martial artist? What are your interests? And build, you know, take every single skill that you have, every sort of interest that you have and find ways to incorporate them into your career And, you know, and, and that's something that indie artists are even better poised to do than label artists because they have more control over how they put their music out. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so glad you said that. I love
1: that. I love it. And it's fun because, you know, like I started roller skating and I'm really passionate about it. And so now I'm like, incorporating my roller skating into like, um, my brand or whatever. I hate that (laughs) word, but you know, into like my thing and, I'm like, you know what? When my merch comes out, I'm going to make roller skating socks that say <laughs> like a girl, you know, it's like, it's yeah. all of it is it's, that's my favorite thing about following artists. It's like, Oh my God, did you know that this artist is really into this random thing? Like, that's so cool. I want to be a part of that too. You know,
2: so. man,
0: that is so, so cool. Listeners. <laughs> Ray is cool. All right. We have, we, we got to support her, uh, help her move forward because, uh, she, yes. she's got it. She, I mean, uh, she, she's got the, she's got the break the business gospel down. Uh, and I'm so glad that we got to know her again. Check out her website, Ray and be a part of the rebel river records label by uh, mm-hmm. visiting patreon.com slash Ray Please don't be a stranger. Okay. We'd love to have you on again real soon when the album comes mm-hmm. out, reach out to us so we can have you talk to us about it some more. Love that. And I just want to hear more about like the great stuff you're doing. So uh, don't be a stranger.
1: Yay. Thank you so much. And everyone, if you're listening, um, my thing is that if you're listening and you want to connect with me, be a part of my community, just send me a DM or a Facebook message or uh, a tweet or whatever with Purple Hearts. And then I'll know that, uh, that you found me on, on the podcast.
0: Purple Hearts. And there you go. Purple
1: Hearts. And then we'll, we'll talk and we'll be best friends forever. <laughs>
0: All right, listeners, let's spam those Purple Hearts for her so she yes. knows that uh, the Break the Business community are big fans of her. Ray, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on this week.
1: Thanks for having me, Ryan.
0: And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business Podcast.